as uh, we prepare for Esther's banquet, actually the first of two banquets. We focused on Esther in the past. We've focused on Mordecai. We're going to be seeing a third character. Focus on him a lot more here tonight. Let's turn over to chapter 5 and verse 1. Now, it happened on the third day, and this is the day that, of course, was set aside, that after the prayer and the fasting and such, on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. And so it was when when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. Now she made a thing about if she comes before the presence of the king and he doesn't acknowledge her that she would die. And apparently that was their way of doing things. But it was not an an absolute certain thing that if she were to go before the presence of the king, she would die. That's not uh, exactly what it is. As long as she found favor, then that would be be done. So here's what she does. She has the, the time of prayer. And then she goes and she puts on her royal robes and she stood in the inner court of the king's palace. So she prepared herself. She had things done as far as uh, making sure the timing was right. She had things done as far as making sure she was dressed right, dressed appropriately. Uh, Her royal robes, she had certainly things that she would wear around the palace, around her, uh, her particular house. But there were also royal robes. And so if she's going to go into the presence of the king, she's going to honor him by wearing the royal robes that he provided for her to wear. And so she does that. And then she doesn't come in in a, in a boisterous way. She doesn't come in in an assuming way. She comes in and stands at the uh, very near the, the doorway or the entrance where she had come in and waits to be acknowledged. So she comes in very humbly. And then the king acknowledges her and extends to her the, the scepter. And uh, she's able to come come in. But I'll tell you what, how things have changed. Haven't I? I mean, really, they've, they've changed quite a bit. So, so, ladies, let me just think of this. If your husband has ignored you, has not called you, has not written you, has not paid any attention to you for a whole month, <clears throat> and you come in to his presence, are you waiting for the golden scepter? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> I think that husband has some explaining to do. Why you've been ignoring me for a month here? But uh, that's not exactly how she comes into the king's king's presence here. She comes in and just uh, waits, just waits to be acknowledged to see if she would be be acknowledged. And the king delighted in her, and said, "Oh yeah, <clears throat> almost forgot about you." It's wondering where that crown went to. <laughs> Come on over here. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. This is a a pretty common phrase. We've heard this quite often. And basically, uh, when the king say this, basically saying, I'll do anything for you as long as it doesn't make you any more powerful than I am. (laughs) That's about what it is. (laughs) So Esther answered, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Now all this time as you're getting into this story, there is no inkling that Esther was bordering on dying. (laughs) 
As soon as he comes in, he says, oh, it's so nice to see you. You tell me what it is that you want. Obviously, you're here for a reason. You tell me what it is you want up to half the kingdom. I'll grant it to you. Well, I just want you to come to a banquet. You and Haman. Oh, right, right now. Go get, go get Haman. Get him right now. <laughs> We're going to a banquet. <laughs> so there, there is no indication here in this, this story at all that he ever had any ill will prepared for her or was upset at her coming into the presence at all. Uh, it certainly does seem to be something that could have happened, but apparently it was pretty far from happening, especially for the way that she came in. She came in dressed, dressed right. She came in at, uh, with the right attitude. And the king was very pleased to, to see her. So the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. I mean, this is kind of amazing. The guy doesn't give her the time of day for a month. And she comes in and says, Come to a banquet. He drops everything. Let's go to the banquet. Now, of course, there was going to be wine there. Because at the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? So, you know, he, she knows how to win him over. You know, we're going to have some booze. You know, he may be looking at the people in the court there and say, well, you know, I, I know it's not good to drink on the job, but, you know, she asked. <laughs> She, she said, I told her up to half the kingdom I'd give her. She just asked me to come to this banquet and go drink for a little while. So, <laughs> You know, I hate to do this to you guys right now. Head off on my own and, you know, just go partying and drinking with my, my queen over there. But, you know, got to do it. <laughs> so at the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I will prepare for them tomorrow. And I will do as the king has said. Now, I don't know about you, but this king was really like wine. I don't know if he, if he likes it that much. One day he'll just make his own banquet. Because if, you're, if you know that your, your queen wants something and so she comes into the presence of the king in, in the way that she did and, and he has to extend the golden scepter so that her life is spared and he, he says that, you know, whatever you want up to half the kingdom I just want you to come to the banquet and he comes to the banquet and he knows she wants more than this I know she don't want me just to come to the banquet there's something that she wants and she's just not telling me just yet so she, he leans over and says once again what is it you want up to half the kingdom I'll give it to you don't be bashful you just ask and, uh, and she says uh well, I'll put it to you this way. If, if you come to the banquet I'll fix for you tomorrow, then uh, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, but you know, I mean, if you just, just think, think back. If your spouse, close person, friend, parent, whatever it might be, if they say to you, uh, you know, I've got something to ask you. We come on over today and you stop on over and they say, all right, well, I'm going to tell you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to tell you tomorrow. Would you mind coming back tomorrow? I mean, how many of you say, well, you just spit it out? Come on, just tell me now. I want to know what it is. Stop with all this stuff. Tell me. What is going on? I mean, you can get a little frustrated with this whole thing, but nope. These folks, we're not getting frustrated. We're just, all right, yeah, we'll come back tomorrow. I guess, you know, the king's job is not all that pressing. 
That's all I can figure because why else are we doing all this? So uh, again, on the third day, Esther comes in. She puts on her royal robes. She stood in the inner court. She got the timing. She got the dress, and she got the approach down. Now here in this uh, banquet request in verse 4 it is, when it says, Let the king and Haman come today. This is an acrostic that is in the book of Esther. And some of you probably have already heard about these. The uh, name of God is not mentioned in the book of Esther at all. But five times his name is spelled out in an acrostic. Four times it is the name Yahweh. And we'll cover what the fifth one is as we get up there. It won't be until chapter 7. But this part right here, let the king and Haman come today, is the second of these acrostics. The first one was over in Esther chapter 1, verse 20, when uh, Mamukin had said, all the wives shall give. That was the first acrostic that we saw. Here we have it in, in verse 4. And we're also going to see it in verse 13, when Haman says, this, availeth, or, this avails me nothing. That's also going to be that's going to be the third one. We'll see it later on in, in Esther chapter seven twice, and we'll cover them as we get there to them. But five times we're going to see the name of God spelled out in an acrostic, probably not by accident. But that's one place where the name of God is is mentioned. So now we come up to Haman. So Haman comes to this banquet. He's pretty happy because it's not a a common thing for even one of the highest of princes of the king to come to a banquet prepared by the queen just for the two of them. It's not, a, I mean, for the queen to prepare a banquet for the king is one thing, but to invite one of the princes into, the, into this thing, he's got to be thinking pretty highly of himself, and he already did think pretty highly of himself. So Haman went out and said, joyful and with glad heart. He's, he's, uh, he is a happy guy. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. So he's all happy because of the queen, because of the king, because of the banquet. And then tomorrow we get to go to another banquet. He is thrilled. He is happy. And then all of a sudden here comes Mordecai. And all that joy that was in him. Everything is all gone. All because Mordecai does not stand or tremble before him. In other words, Mordecai is not afraid of this guy. Everybody else is afraid. Everyone else is uh, intimidated by his power, by his wealth, by his position. And Mordecai could care less. And he probably tried to intimidate Mordecai into doing something. Because these kind of people just like to try and intimidate. And Mordecai, he's not being intimidated. Like, you know what? Go waste your effort on someone else. I'm not bothered by you. So nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home and he sent and called for his friends and his wife, Zeresh. Now here gives you a really good picture of Haman. Then Haman told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children everything in which the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the officials and servants of the king. How many of you would like to have a friend in your life who calls you over and as soon as you come in, you and you know friends and the, and the wife, and he says, starts to talk to you about all his great wealth. Look how wealthy I am. Look how much money I have. Look at the cars 
that I have or the horses or the uh, chariots. And look at how big my house is. Look at the gold pieces. And it's taking you on a tour. Look at them. These are mine. These are mine. You don't have them. I do. I mean, he's taking his wife on this tour. These are mine. These are my things. This is my riches. This is, and your wife, you're just honored to be part and to share this, this kind of stuff. I mean, come on. This is, you got to wonder, why would she put up with that? Well, maybe back then she didn't have too much of a choice, but the friends do. Why do friends put up with a guy like this? Calls you over to his house so he can brag on his stuff. Look at how great I am. Look at the promotions I have. You guys didn't get any promotions, but you know, I got I got promotions. Look at all these kids. I got more kids than all you guys. My kids are better than your kids. My kids are handsomer. My kids are more attractive. My kids are taller. My kids are better dressed because I got more money. I mean, who would, who would put up with a guy like this? This guy is despicable. Now, do understand this. The king likes him. What does that tell you about the king? <laughs> Birds of a feather. You know? Birds of a feather. They're, they're right there. Oh, my. Well, then Haman told him of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him, and how it advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Now, what's, what's interesting about this, too, is this is probably not the first time they've heard it. I mean, if you have friends and a wife, would you not have told them as soon as you were promoted before? Would you not be telling them as soon as you were advanced before? But no, now we've got to bring them over again and summarize. In case you forgot. Here's my promotions. I started out here. Then I got promoted to this one. Then I got promoted to here. Then I got promoted to here. And now I'm second in the kingdom. You guys are just lucky I call you friends. Because, you know, I'm... So this is not a nice guy. I really don't know why anybody wants to be his friend. They must just be afraid of him and figure it's better to be on his good side than to have him be against you. Moreover, Haman said, Beside, Queen Esther invited no one. None of you guys. None of you guys have an invitation. Only me. It's just me. Wife, you didn't get one either. I, just me. It's just me. She didn't do this as a couple's thing. You know, queen and king and Haman and his wife. No, it's just me. You got left behind. So obviously, you know your place here. <laughs> he's, just, he's just despicable of an individual. Beside Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her along, along with the king. It's just me. Today and tomorrow, no one else. In case you didn't know, there is a banquet going on tomorrow. There was one today. You all didn't know about it. But I did because I was there. There's another one tomorrow. I'm going to tell you about it now. You won't be there, but I will be. No one else is going. I mean, this is the kind of guy this one is. And yet he has friends. 
I mean, it's just amazing to me that people can be out there and have friends. This guy reminds me of Jerry Jones. I mean, I get amazed that Jerry Jones has friends. The guy is rude. He's obnoxious. He's egotistical. But people will get around, you know, because they want the money, I guess. I mean, even Nancy Pelosi, I think, has friends. You know, there's people out there. They're just nasty. You just look at their face and they're just, it's just, ah, they're just mean. They're just nasty. <laughs> she lost the view, didn't she? But, you know, there's just people out there that are like that. And they're just, they're just nasty people. And the, the folks that are around them are around them for gain, for personal gain. What can I get? What can I have? How will this benefit me? What will this do on my, on my side? So he's got all this stuff. He's sitting there bragging about all his stuff for all this time. And then in verse 13, Yet all this avails me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. All this stuff. I got all this great wealth. I got all these great kids. He didn't talk about his great wife. He didn't talk about his great friends. He just talked about the other stuff. I don't know. If you're going to talk about how great your kids are, how many you got, I would think your wife would get mentioned. Nope. She gets left off. She's in there for the tour. So long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. See, there is no happiness in stuff. There is no happiness in power and position. Not the true kind. This kind can be stripped away in an instant. When you see someone who is very content with the life that they have, with the stuff that they've got, got no problem with all that stuff that's going on there. Here's Mordecai. And he's not afraid of Haman. Haman is used to people being afraid of him and wanting to be close to him and not wanting to cross him. And I, I want to be his friend. I don't want to be his enemy because bad things can happen if I'm his enemy. And so these are the kind of people, you know, you show up to and you're real, real nice and you say, and as soon as you leave, oh, I am so glad that's over. I hope we don't have to get back in there for at least a month. Because <laughs> he's just a despicable horrible human being. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows be made fifty cubits high and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the thing pleased him and so he had the gallows made. Now, most of us would think, you know, you hear gallows and we, we think of uh, a place you get hung on. I'm told though that this is a little bit different. This is basically a post stuck up in the air and you get tied to it and stuck there until you die. Not very pleasant. I think the hanging sounds a little bit better. I would rather be hung than tied to a post and waiting to die. I mean, I mean you're going to dry out, you're going to get thirsty, you're going to get hungry and birds are going to come along and pick at stuff. And I mean, it's just not going to be a nice thing. But apparently that's what the, is meant here by these gallows. Yeah, and his wife made the suggestion. Isn't that funny? And his wife and all his friends said to him. So it seems to be, you know, the wife is at least 
mention whether she is the prominent one or, or whatever. But anyway, they came up with this idea. He didn't think of it. But they did. And of course, they're not going to get any credit for it. Taman's idea. Because um, he's the greatest. No one else is as good as Haman. He is He's the best. Everyone wants to be like me. Well, we put in your outline that if a person can steal your joy, it isn't the joy of the Spirit. Because the joy of the Holy Spirit, folks, people can't steal. You can't be walking in the joy of the Holy Spirit and people come along and steal that from you. Or see somebody in a condition and then, oh, I'm no longer joyful. And of course, there was never any question that Haman had the joy of the Spirit. We, we do understand that. But walk in the joy of the Spirit. Don't let anyone else take away what you have. And don't ever think that, well, if I only have this, then I'll be happy. I, oh, if you only had this. When we were down there at Grace Fellowship, uh, Bobby Onion was doing a thing on, on marriage stuff and he was saying that... Uh, it seems that, you know, uh, I don't know if he heard this or if he said, I forget, it was too long ago, I don't remember him saying it or how he said it, but he said, it seems that uh, married people are always trying to get unmarried people married. <laughs> people that are already married, if they find somebody who's not married, they want to go out there and get them married. So they're always trying to find, you know, somebody for them, help them out in that, in that quest to get married. And um, he made the statement, he says, a lot of times they want to bring you into the same unjoyfulness that they have. <laughs> it's not right that I'm just miserable. I want you to bring you into this misery as well. I don't know that it's always the case, but I'll tell you what, it surely is the case that it just seems that, you know, single people are not trying to get other single people married. But married people always seem to be out there trying to get all the other single people fixed up with somebody. You know, just listen to Paul. Whatever state you're in, be content. Uh, Pastor Bob used to tell us, he said, if you're not content unmarried, you'll never be content married. You cannot bring someone else into your discontentment and become content. Haman's not totally content in the things that he has. He wants something more. He wants something better. He's always trying to get, get, get something. He apparently has great riches. Uh, we, we talked about where his 10,000 talents were coming from last time. And that's probably not what uh, stuff he had in his back pocket. But he apparently did have a lot of money. So now we come to Mordecai. That night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles. And they were read before the king and it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers, who had sought to lay hands on the king, Ahasuerus. Then the king said, One honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this. And the king's servant who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So what we have here is that uh, it just so happens that the night before, Haman is going to suggest to the king that Mordecai be hung on the uh, gallows that he made. Just so happened 
that that night the king couldn't sleep. And so what they do is they bring in somebody to read the records because there's nothing more boring than records. And so as you read these, you get bored hearing the stories and you'd fall asleep. So that was the idea. And so he's apparently it's, it's not quite boring him or else he just cannot fall asleep. And he, so he's hearing these stories and he hears this one. Oh, I, I remember something about that. Yeah. Whatever happens, what did we ever do to that guy? No, nah, we didn't do anything for him. Really? We didn't do anything for him? We didn't do anything to help him out with? Well, you know, he, he helped me out quite. We didn't do anything for him? What kind of a... How generous do they think that this king is? If, you know, if I'm, people are going to think I'm stingy. I mean, not even a thank you card? Have <laughs> one of those e-cards. Did we ever send them even one of those things, you know? One of the little characters jumping around and hooting and hollering. Nothing? We've got to fix this. And he's, he wants to fix it right now. I don't want to wait till later. I want to fix it right now. So the king said, who's in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. <laughs> so here comes Haman. He's coming on in. He's got this thing. He slept well because he says, I'm going to get up there in the morning and I'm going to tell the king and the king's going to let me hang Mordecai. Because everything I've asked the king to do, he said okay to because I'm so great. Because I'm rich. Everybody always wants to please me. Mm. He's coming on in there. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. I want to do this early. I want to go in there and into that house. I'm going to take Mordecai out of his bed. Take him on up there and hang him up there. This is going to be good. We'll hang him up there in his pajamas. That'll be embarrassing. <laughs> so he comes into King's Court real early. He may not even be expecting that the king's up. He may be totally content to wait for the king to come in. So this is the first order of business. Now, he can't just waltz into the king's presence any more than the queen could. He'd have to be summoned. And so he was prepared to, to do all that and, and let folks know. So he's coming on in. He's probably trying to figure out how is it that I'm going to be able to get summoned before the king? What am I going to be able to do? And so when he says, oh, good, you're here. The king's calling for you. The king's calling for me? Well, that took care of that problem. I can go right there in front of the king now. So he waltzes in and the king... Let him come in. So Haman came in and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? I mean, come on. this The world centers around Haman. Everyone is tickled with my riches, with my kids, with my good looks. Everyone is enjoying me. Who would the king want to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor. And he's thinking here, What would I like? What would bring me honor? I mean, I've already had that. I don't worry about that. I've, you know, I've already had the banquet with the king and the queen. I can't do that again. What would I want? Well, let's see. He's kind of thinking on the fly here because this is not what he came in to prepare to do. He came in to hang somebody, but we can do this too. We can do this too. We can take care of this one. What would the king want to do? 
Whom would the now Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king like to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head, then let his robe and horse be delivered to the hand of the one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor, and then parade him on horseback throughout the city square, and proclaim before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. King thinks about that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Ah, that's good. This is good stuff. Uh, were you writing that down? <laughs> and the king said to Haman, Hurry! Take the robe and the horse, and as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew, who sits within the king's gate, leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. <laughs> now, I don't know if there's any more detail to this story than this, but as far as Haman is concerned, he has no idea why. He came in to get Mordecai hanged and finds out he has to go out and honor the guy. Why has the king even know Mordecai? What's up with this? I didn't even think the king knew about him. I was just going to bring him in. I want to go out there and execute this guy. He's kind of, you know, he's he's a bad guy. You don't you don't want him in there. He's a bad egg. You don't want him. Besides, we're going to kill all the Jews in a little while anyway. We're just going to get jump on this one. So Haman, now he has no choice here. The king said it. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback throughout the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. <laughs> now the stuff that's not written in the story. You can probably, you know, put your meat, own meat on the, the, the flesh of this thing and... and uh, have some fun with it, but the whole time Mordecai is gathering up the robe and the horse, what do you think is going on on the inside? How do you think he feels now? I mean, he didn't like it when Mordecai just sat there at the gate. Now he's getting the robe and the horse, and he's going to go knock on the door of Mordecai just like he saw before, but instead of dragging him out of the house to... to Tie him to the gallows. He's got to put him on a horse. And the very guy who won't honor him when he rides by in the streets, now he has to honor by leading him through the streets on the king's horse. Thus shall be done to the man that the king desires to honor. Thus shall be done for the man whom the king desires to honor. <laughs> and here's the thing. King's servants are all over the place. So if he's not enthusiastic about it, if he's just half-hearted, it's going to get back to the king, and the king won't be happy that Mordecai was not honored. You didn't do that very well. You did not honor Mordecai. That was terrible what you did. So he has to put some feeling in it. He has to be excited about honoring Mordecai. So you can imagine what this does to the guy. Thus shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. We don't even know. I mean, you would think that maybe he had the boldness to say, why? But if he never asked the reason why, the whole time he's going on through, why am I honoring this guy? This is the Jew who just sits by the gate 
what could possibly be going on that the king would want to honor this guy above me? And if I hadn't been coming into the into the room that morning, it'd be somebody else who would have had to have done all this. How do you think he feels about that wife suggesting now? <laughs> mm. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate. But Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. He hurried. He couldn't wait to get there. Oh, I can't do this in public, but when I get there, oh, man, just let it all out. Oh, this is painful. Oh, this is terrible. But Mordecai goes back to life as normal. The same way Mordecai was before is the same way he is now. But Haman is completely altered. And when Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends, everything that had happened to him. Oh, can you imagine him? Especially Haman. Oh, you don't know how bad it was. I had to take the king's robe and I had to put it on. And I had to wait for him to get dressed because it was early in the morning. And then I had to help him get up on the, on the saddle. And then I had to lead him on through and be enthusiastic and tell everybody, thus shall the king do. Oh, you don't know how, and inside all oh, what it was doing to me. And of course, his wife had to be, oh, there, there. Oh, my poor husband. Whether she wanted to or not, whether she liked him or not, because I'm sure that she probably didn't like him a whole lot. I can't imagine anyone liking this guy a whole lot. Just having to be around him because if you're not, you don't know what's going to happen to you. At least if you're on his good side, it's better. So after Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house mourning and with his head covered. When Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends, everything that had happened to him. So again, we called the friends back. We're not just going, friends, get over here. I got to tell you, I got to tell you some stuff. Oh, here we go. We just heard this yesterday. Just heard it yesterday. Now we got to go through it all again. Oh, here we go. Let's go hear about the riches. Let's go hear about the kids. Let's go hear about the promotions. Oh, come on, if I got to go, you got to go. You're coming with me. We're, I'm not going by myself. We're all going. We all got to do this thing. So everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife, Suresh, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. I mean, everyone was being prophetic here. If Mordecai, whom you have begun, whom before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. Now, this begs the question: When he put the plan in place for the Jews, whom did he consult? Because if you go back to the story, he does not mention calling his wife or the wise men. So whom did he consult? Because apparently the wife and the wise men know better than to go against the Jews. 
Somehow this is the known thing. You, you know, you don't go. That's that's people you don't go against. Don't mess with them because their God will mess with you. I I, I heard stories. I know somebody who knows somebody. <laughs> and it wasn't good. It was bad. And if you have begun to fall, if you have begun to fall, see, we, he didn't mention before that Mordecai was a Jew. He just said it's Mordecai. But now he mentioned he's a Jew. And it's, oh, wait a minute. Man, if I knew that he was a Jew, I wouldn't have told you to do that thing yesterday. Wouldn't have told you to do that because that's just, that's not good. If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. I'm not real sure what brings this on with the eunuchs coming into the house to fetch him. Maybe Esther was on to something that, oh, if he just had to take Mordecai through, he's not doing well. He's going to need some help. Come on back over here. Would you go over there and get him? It just seems like somebody was sent because it, we don't really hear of the eunuchs being sent to bring Haman out to anything else, but here he is being sent for. Get on out here. The only other thing that could have been is that maybe he had gotten so worn out and so distraught over the whole thing that he was late for the banquet. And so maybe the king and the queen are sitting there. And the queen's not starting until Haman gets there. Because she wants Haman there. And the king doesn't know why she wants Haman there, but the queen wants Haman there. I set up the half the kingdom so Haman's, he can, she can have Haman. We'll bring him on in. We put in your outline this. What a difference a day makes. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it? <laughs> 24 hours, things change a whole lot. They just... I mean, to have this much change in one day. In one day. I mean, even if you were a Cowboys fan at the beginning of the season, it took six weeks for you to get to this point. One in six. Or is it worse than that by now? What a difference a day makes. Oh, how many times we've come before the Father. We've come before the Lord. Crying, moaning, grumbling, and complaining. And the Lord's just sitting up there. Man, what a difference a day makes. Why in the world are you fussing over this thing now? Do you know how much I can do in a day? Do you know that in one day I can change whole things? In one day I can take a powerful army and reduce them to nothing. In one day I can take a city with great high walls and reduce it to rubble. In one day I can take Sodom and Gomorrah and make them nothing. In one day I can take those who rebel against Moses. And have them disappear. 
In one day, I can wipe out Pharaoh's army. In one day, I can take the children of Israel who are dying of thirst and bring water to them from a rock. In one day, I can take people who have no food and feed them for the rest of their time in the wilderness from heaven. In one day, I can take a widow who can't pay her bills and shower her with more money than she's had. In one day, I can take a widow and her son who are ready to die and change the outlook for the rest of their life. <laughs> In one day. What a difference a day makes with our God. Now, here's the thing. Does Mordecai know anything of this plot against him as far as we can tell? Mordecai is not... He doesn't know that the plot has been hatched. He doesn't know that him sitting there that particular day just rubbed Haman even more so the wrong way that he went home and made this great gallows and was coming in in the morning to tell the king, I need to hang Mordecai on the gallows. He had no idea. He just saw Haman come and knocking at the door and he has no idea how close he was coming knocking at the door to hang him. Instead, he came knocking at the door to honor him. He has no idea. But God knows. God knows about the plot that was against Mordecai. He made a way around it. We may not understand the events that are around us, but trust Him for the things you cannot change and act and pray on the things you can. We're never just supposed to sit and do nothing when there's things we can act, act on and pray on. But there's a whole lot of things we may not know anything about. Just trust them. Just trust them. If there's nothing you can do about the situation, trust them. Because He's our God. If all of Congress gets together and passes some unheard of bill that's going to hurt you, just trust them. You can't change it. Don't worry about it. What a difference a day can make. What a huge difference a day can make. Haman had a lot of problems. Really, I could not tell you why he has any friends at all. Because guys like that, I mean, there's, just, there's, no, there's, there's nothing good about this guy. There was nothing good about this guy. The Word of God tells us in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Well, that's not how Haman decided to do things. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. The devil's sin was involved with pride. When we fall into the area of pride, we're falling into the exact same way that the Satan went. Haman is following after the footsteps of the devil. And he was doing the work of the devil by wiping out the children of Israel because the devil wanted, wanted to do that. And here's a guy he can use, Haman. And Haman was taking on all the characteristics of Satan. Pride, arrogance, Rudeness, self-centeredness, the world revolves around Haman. 
And I'm sure we all have Haman-type people in our lives where the world just revolves around them. They are full of pride. They don't help anybody but themselves and they expect everybody just to do what they want. Who would the king desire to honor more than me? And that's how they view the world. And we look at them and they're getting further and further ahead. And they're second in the charge of the kingdom. And we say, God, why? And God just sits up there and says, what a difference a day makes. <laughs> what a difference a day makes. You don't worry about it. And one day I can turn things around. We may be involved in some hard situations, some terrible things that are going on, but all our Father has to say is, what a difference a day can make. Don't you worry about it. You just keep on going and you keep doing what you're supposed to do. You honor the Word. You honor God. You love people. You love God. Just keep doing it. Just keep going that way because it's the right thing to do because it's the right way to go. You let me take care of all that other stuff. It may seem like they're soaring ahead, getting further along. Money is being added to them. I mean, how rich was Haman? Don't you worry about it. God can bring the strongest of people down in a single day. We just stand there and say, Father God, I thank you. We are not exalting ourselves against you. We are humble before you and we will just do the things that you say to do. What a difference one day can make with our God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you can change, the things that you can alter far beyond anything we can expect. We don't even know about some of the stuff that's going on and you have altered it before it even came by our way. And we have this great, wonderful thing that came knocking at our door and we never even knew the evil that was intended. But you turned it all around. We may not even know to give thanks, but Father, we just give thanks anyway because that's what we do. We're just in a mode of giving thanks. We're not going to fall into grumbling and complaining. Nah. We're not going to walk around in fear and trembling. Father, we thank you for it. Thank you for the good things you do. How you stood up and helped Mordecai out. He wouldn't bow and give homage. Give the honor that was due a God to a mortal man in Haman. And he wasn't moved by the peer pressure that was around him or the intimidation that Haman tried to put upon him. And Father, I thank you for the way you show us in your word how much you fight for us. There is nothing that is too great for our God. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.